if I have a caravan and I'm trying to move assets between two locations in like medieval Europe or something like that, and that caravan had a lot of gold in it, right? If that is raided by a group of bandits, those bandits, because the, the gold is easily divisible, it can easily mm -hmm. divide it. They can easily use it even in small increments to buy mm -hmm. a beard. But, but if you are a group of bandits and you raid a carriage and it's full of art, expensive art, that is incredibly hard to fence. Yeah. That is incredibly hard to, to make of use to you. And the amount of money you're going to get from that is dramatically lower than the amount of money a wealthy person could get from that. And for those reasons, there is differentially less reason to raid those carts. Now, with crypto, it's a, it's a little different. If I split my key between multiple carriages, for anyone to gain access to any of it, they would need to successfully heist every single carriage was a portion of my key. I hope it now makes sense to you why this is such a valuable asset to the ultra wealthy. Mm. And then the question is, do we live in a world where wealth is being more and more concentrated among a smaller and smaller class of people? Mm -hmm. And to me, the answer there is fucking obviously. Would you like to know more? Please. You know you're number one. You are the sun around which we revolve. That is not true. You are the best, and I love you. But we're going to talk about Bitcoin today. Bitcoin. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so we got a comment under, we, we had done a video on, you know, investment, and we mentioned Bitcoin briefly in that video, and, and you know, why I thought I liked it more than precious metals is like a long-term investment. And we're, we're pretty heavily in, invested in, in that area of crypto, at least. And one of the comments said, you, like, I, do, I would never get Bitcoin because you don't own your own Bitcoin. You know, it's always on another exchange, like FTX or something like that. But with gold, I can own my own gold. And when I saw that, I was like, Holy shit. Like even in our audience, which I consider a fairly educated audience, I was surprised by the lack of like knowledge about like the basics of Bitcoin as an investment hmm. or the way Bitcoin works or why it has value. If, if you are a, a Bitcoin person, you would hear something like that and just guffaw at the <laughs> insanity of it because it is so super incorrect. Uh, <laughs> So what we wanted to take this podcast to do is explore Bitcoin as an asset, i.e. not as a technology, like not why. And I think this is the problem with Bitcoin videos hmm. is they so often approach it being like, oh, here's like the technical part of like why it's cool. Here's like the whatever, you know, uh, great. You or like, here's how to invest and look at these weird charts and this is my method. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like that, like, oh, here's mm -hmm. it going up into the right and here's it going down and this is how yeah, you know it and you know gotta... because of the this and that, like how it's going to change, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Whereas I want to try to do an episode on Bitcoin and this is why I didn't really prep for this episode. Otherwise I would have on an episode on Bitcoin. Interesting. Just at the highest conceptual investment level, like as an asset, discuss why it's a thing of value and why I think it will be a thing of long-term value that I am very interested in, in participating like long-term when I think about my kids and stuff like that. Hmm. All right, let's do it. Well, so Simone, do you want to take a start in the basics of what you understand of how Bitcoin works? Okay. Things I personally like about Bitcoin. 
One is it's not owned or run by a government. It, you know, although there are obviously complications to this, like where the supply could be manipulated if enough people who hold large amounts of Bitcoin sort of decide they want to change this. Another thing that made it stand out to me is that the, you actually really can own this. And, and this is an asset that when shit hits the fan, you can take with you. And you literally don't have to have anything as long as like you've, re you've remembered recovery phrases. And that's kind of scary. I mean, you could have it written somewhere. You could have it, you know, like all these different friends, like hold different ones. Like there, there are many different ways you can do it, but like literally you don't even need to have any sort of device or thing and you can still have your value. And it's not on an exchange. It's not where people can get it. And so hold on. I, I want to double click on what you said there because you're just like listing facts. And I think that that second point is something that can be kind of confusing and that was clearly confusing to the individual who first heard about this. Okay, okay. okay. Dive in. So crypto is an asset at the most basic level. And I said this in the, in the previous episode on this subject. It is the first time in human history in which we have had an asset with a known quantity that is divisible and easily tradable. And a person could say, well, you don't have full ownership over it, which is just not true. You actually have a fuller ownership over Bitcoin than you do gold or any asset. You literally have more ownership over your Bitcoin than you have over a block of gold you're holding in your hand. So why is that the case? That, that is the case because unlike the block of gold that you are holding in your hand and someone could come along and yoink it, with Bitcoin, if you have memorized your passphrase, you literally, there is no way to access it other than, than hacking the in, in, entire like You can be tortured. Chain. You can be tortured. But you, also you could be tortured, but do you understand that that is an, an additional <laughs> level? You could be tortured for like the location of your gold or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. somebody could also externally find your gold. That's you true. could have somebody come yeah, no one can find No one can find your, your Bitcoin or unless other you crypto. Voluntarily unless... give up that information. Yeah. And yeah. that is wildly different from any other. Now, now voluntary, obviously torture and stuff like that. But that is a level of self-ownership that goes beyond the self-ownership of gold. Mm -hmm. And then somebody could say, well, who doesn't understand Bitcoin very well, so it's useful for me to explain this. Well, okay, but where is it actually stored? Like who actually has it if you just have a code in your head? And... Think of it like this. It's, it's distributed among everybody who has Bitcoin. That's who has it. It's actually a little bit more nuanced than that. It's sort of like everybody who has a node that's operational for Bitcoin. So there's around 13,000 Bitcoin nodes. So everybody who has one of these, and you can set one up in your house, right, if you want to and, and participate in the system, is who's storing it for you. And when there is, between the nodes, uh, incongruencies... So like, suppose like a portion of the nodes are like, I want to change what's on the blockchain. You need to get like, basically everyone with a node to immediately participate in this charade when you personally can set up a node whenever you want. Like it, it's just comically well, these are impossible like to do. Culturally, extremely libertarian, independent people too. So it would take a lot, I think. Yeah, so... That's interesting. And, and it would also lower the 
value of Bitcoin as an asset, if anyone found out, for everyone else who owned Bitcoin. Like mm -hmm. if, if it could be easily taken like that. And this is what people mean. If you hear somebody online saying something like, not your keys, not your coin, which you probably heard a lot with crypto. What they're saying is that if you give up your keys, like if you don't know the keys to your own crypto, right? Well, then whatever exchange they're on has access to that. Right. And they can go bust. They can screw up. And this has happened multiple times throughout crypto. It'll probably happen less as time goes on, but it, it, it occasionally happens. Right. But this can also happen with assets like gold and stuff. But to to go into this, well, then an individual might say, yeah, but you have to initially buy your Bitcoin through an exchange. Right. And that means you don't fully own it. And this is just wrong. This is like saying because I buy, it is true that like the easiest way to buy crypto is through an exchange. It's not the only way, but the easiest way is to buy crypto through an exchange. This is like saying because you buy your block of gold that you then take home and put under your bed at a store that you don't really have access to that gold. You do as soon as you take your keys off the chain and verify that those keys are real. As soon as you have bought a crypto, specifically, we're just talking mostly about Bitcoin on this, on a chain, and then you have taken the keys from the chain and you you have it yourself, you now have full access to that. Yeah, although I will say it is surprisingly hard for unbanked children. Sorry, <laughs> let, me, let me repeat that. It is, it, is, it, it is actually really hard for many unbanked people. So like a lot of people working in the sex trade when they started out with Bitcoin and crypto, they were really excited. They're like, this is great. This is the solution. I can accept payment because many banks aren't willing to work with you once that happens. But now like, because there are all these KYC requirements, especially for US based exchanges, before you can even like start to trade on them or buy or accept, you have to, you know, have a bank account that is associated, you have to do all this stuff with your identity, like, it, it is imperfect. And there aren't great systems if you're totally going off the grid. It seems with your with your crypto, I'm sure people are developing better things, but I would say it's still a problem. Like a lot of people who are trying to use this system the way it should be used, where you don't have to be involved with legacy banking, are still struggling. Well, and, and I think that's a misunderstanding of crypto. Mm -hmm. So I think that the Bitcoin nerds right now, when they're trying to talk about why crypto has value, they're wrong. Crypto is never really a good alternative to the mainstream system. It may be for high-end purchases, but we'll get to, well, actually, I'll get to that right now. So we used to live part-time in Peru. And in Peru, when I am buying a soda or when I am buying a, a something at a restaurant, right? Or I am buying from a grocery store, I am buying in Peruvian soles. Um, when I am buying a large asset, like a company or a house, I am almost always buying in American dollars. And this is a normal way that economic systems subdivide. Right. I can very easily see an economic system in which Bitcoin is used for large transactions and dollars or local currency is used for small transactions. And when I say large transactions, I mean enormously large transactions. Mm. And this is where it gets really interesting. I think the core value of Bitcoin specifically has always been to the world's ultra wealthy. Never, never to the average person, the average person. Yeah. And so uh, people would be like, well, what do you mean by that? Right. Like, and we've mentioned this on the, the last time we talked about it, but it is worth going into a bit. Like, why is art 
such a thing of astronomical value to wealthy investors. It's because an artist can die. And when an artist dies, you have a broad understanding of how many of those artistic pieces there are in the world. Now, of course, like Bitcoin, there's also market manipulation within the, the field. But that's a core reason why historically art had value. Mm -hmm. Because an artist could die, which could give you a set number of those artistic pieces in the world. And those pieces are light and easily transportable. Yeah, relatively uh, speaking. Like easier than gold bars in many ways, you know. Right. But I mean, this is why art was used instead of gold bars historically, because it was more easily transportable and you knew how much of it there was. With something like gold historically, you could always presumably find some new vein or some new way of extracting it from the earth. And, and this has happened repeatedly, right? Mm -hmm. Like that makes it a very dangerous asset. Yeah. But Renoir, uh, he's dead. He's super dead, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could find new art or people can forge art, right? You know, which is why there's such big industries around detecting that or, or finding new art. But presumably the numbers that you're going to find are fairly limited. Mm. And this is of huge value if you're an ultra wealthy person, right? Because as ultra wealthy people, there historically have been periods in which society has turned against you and you needed to either be able to hide assets or move with lots of assets at once. And gold is typically a really bad asset to move with. An additional benefit of art is that it's harder to fence to non-ultra-wealthy people. So uh, let me... Oh, I see. Like you're trying to buy a property in some other country because you're hiding. Like you're in hiding as a wealthy person. And you're like, listen, I have this Van Gogh. Like take it and give me your beautiful mansion in mysterious nowhere come country. And they're like, well, what am I going to do with pulling you know, like this well, no, they would do a deal like that. And that they has would? happened. So like the Shroud of Turin actually was traded for two castles in Italy. Oh, um, good as deal. an example of like art or relics being traded for high amounts, you know, two that's castles. now, well, I mean, this, this, this matters, right? Because to wealthy people, this has value. They can trade it to other wealthy people to, mm. for other very large things. The, 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 but with gold. So like, imagine I have a caravan, like this is medieval times. I have a caravan that's moving between two cities that's trying to move my wealth, right? Mm -hmm. If I have a caravan and I'm trying to move assets between two locations in like medieval Europe or something like that, and that caravan had a lot of gold in it, right? If that is raided by a group of bandits, those bandits, because the, the gold is easily divisible, can easily mm -hmm. divide it. They can easily use it even in small increments to buy mm -hmm. a beer. You know, you could, you know, historically in the old West, that's where they'd grow out their nails, they'd scrape a uh, little bit of gold dust and they'd use that to buy a beer one like nails worth with one anyway Gross. uh so this is why the sorry it was saloons i think you'd get the pinky the long pinky nails for the oh. scooping of gold dust <laughs> anyway simone so but but if you are a group of bandits and you raid a carriage and it's full of art expensive art that is incredibly hard to fence yeah. That is incredibly hard to, to make of use to you. And the amount of money you're going to get from that is dramatically lower than the amount of money a wealthy person could get from that. And for those reasons, there is differentially less reason to raid those carts. Now, with crypto, it's a, it's a little different. If you, if you raid it and you get access to the key, you have full access to it. Mm -hmm. But that's if you gain access to the key. But this allows you to do things like ship parts of the key separately. 
So for example, like when we die, different parts of our family who don't like each other have different parts of our crypto keys. Well, and friends who don't know each other exist. Yeah. Yeah. Like people, people have our keys who do not know each other, have never heard of each other, have no idea who else has been looped into this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a system that we have developed for bringing them all together and gaining access to all of that crypto, even if we die, right? But this is very different. Well, and we also have a system where we don't know our own keys. So even if somebody were to torture us, they couldn't gain access to our keys. I suppose I should make that clear. All of our keys are I done. Mean, I think also there's the problem of we cannot remember. <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all maintained through these treasure hunt systems. But anyway, which is fun. It's much more fun. But but that's really interesting because what that means, suppose historically you had Bitcoin instead Wait, of... Doesn't that just mean we would be tortured for longer because they wouldn't believe us? It makes sense if you knew us. Yeah, I, it would. Yeah, but it's not like, you know, people torturing you were really close to you. Eh, true. Well, that's I, I always just... worry about that. Like, I worry about the scenarios in which, because, you know, I, I'm an easy pushover. You know, someone, you know looks at me the wrong way and I'm like, I'll tell you everything. But if I'm literally like, I don't know, they'll think I'm just not breaking. That's oh gosh, scary scenario. Anyway, so let's talk about this historically from a Bitcoin perspective, right? So suppose instead of moving gold or instead of moving art, I'm trying to move Bitcoin between two locations. And I'm, yes. and I'm doing this in old timey carriages, right? Okay. This is medieval period. If I split my key between multiple carriages, for anyone to gain access to any of it, they would need to successfully heist every single carriage was a portion of my key. Yeah. And have the instructions for how to put it together, which might be a different carriage or the courier. Not that it couldn't be done, but I hope it now makes sense to you why this is such a valuable asset to the ultra wealthy. Mm -hmm. And then the question is, do we live in a world where wealth is being more and more concentrated among a smaller and smaller class of people? Mm-hmm. And to me, the answer there is fucking obviously. This is not a trend that's reversing. And in a world with wealthier rich people, crypto has an increasing level of value, specifically Bitcoin. Yeah. We could talk about, oh, yeah, but what about ETH? Like, that's like ethical Bitcoin, right? Except the code base gets changed pretty unilaterally all the time. And if they ever wanted to, they could just change it. It really has none of these assurances that Bitcoin has. Like I've been going over and over again, all these assurances that make it such a stable asset. ETH doesn't have those assurances. Yeah. Now I'll tell you what Bitcoin does not fucking have. And this is important to understand if you've only heard about it from the zeitgeist. It is not untraceable. Hmm. It might be the single fucking most traceable asset in the world, which is part of what makes it uh, you know easy to verify. But... If you've gotten into Bitcoin because you think you've gotten some form of currency that people can't trace where it's going, um, they may not be able to trace who owns a wallet. But even that is harder these days with government controls. It is it is dramatically more traceable how it's being used than dollars or gold or even bank accounts, really. If you're using a lot of like international, like offshore bank accounts and stuff like that. So that's an important thing to note. If you wanted an iteration of something like this, like Monera might be better if you're like, I want something that actually is like untraceable, untraceable. But even that stuff, I don't know. Like you can look into that category of crypto. That is not why I think it has value because that's a, that's a smaller minority of people who value the thing because it's untraceable. Bitcoin's value is just its fungibility, transportability, and known quantity. Like that's it. Mm. Now, 
Um, what other uh, misconceptions do I often hear here? Well, I think a lot of people are like, well, there's zero practical application. No one's using this. No one can use this for day-to-day -day transactions. There's zero fucking practical application of art. No. This is probably a point I should go a bit deeper on because a lot of people hit this as a stumbling block when trying to understand why people value an asset like Bitcoin, which has no practical value. The practical value of any particular asset determines the floor of its value, but not the ceiling of its value. Assets used as bargaining tokens are almost always valued at a level that is much higher than their practical value. Currency is often thought of as like the core bargaining token asset. You know, if you look historically, you could look at things like precious gems, crystals, or gold. Now, people would be like, yeah, but gold has practical value. Yet if I ask someone the practical value of gold today, they're like, well, it can be used in electronics, right? If I ask someone the practical value of gold historically, they'd say, well, it could be used in jewelry. Well, then why did it maintain a linear value as this core practical purpose changed. And that's because gold has always been valued at much more than its practical value because it was used as an intermediary for exchange. With gold, I think it can sometimes cloud people because people can think of the industrial applications or something like that. Instead, let's talk about something like diamonds. So you look historically at the value of diamonds, they have almost always been valued at much, much higher than their practical value, especially before we found out about the industrial capabilities of something like a diamond. Why were they valued like that? Because the elites always need some sort of ultra-scarce portable asset to do really high-value transactions. But a person could say, well, yes, but even historically, a diamond could be used in things like jewelry. And it's then saying, well, why would you use a diamond in jewelry instead of like a really pretty seashell, right? There's many seashells that are approximate in beauty to a diamond. It's because a diamond is scarce and therefore a sign of value. It is its scarcity and portability, which is giving it its value. Now, a person may say, yeah, 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 yeah. But at least a diamond, unlike Bitcoin, has some base level of practical utility. Well, that's really irrelevant. As soon as you have admitted that any asset is trading for more than its practical utility because of its scarcity, that net difference is the net difference of where something like Bitcoin can come in and have value. Well, but I mean, I would also argue that when we go to various communities in Latin America, when we look at Venezuela, like suddenly crypto is pretty pervasive. Not always Bitcoin, quite frequently Bitcoin. So um, let's, let's, yeah. And this is actually an interesting point that you're making here. Crypto has differential value in economic situations in which people do not have trust in their governments. Hmm. Okay. So if you're thinking about it as an investment asset, I ask a question. Do you think that 50 years from now, people will have more trust in their governments than they do today or less trust in their governments than they do today? I, I think it's pretty obvious. For me, the biggest question I have about Bitcoin as an asset is supercomputers and how long until it's cracked. Because yeah. the blockchain is cracked and we have friends who off the record have told us that they 
like if you look at like the quantum computers that they're working with they're not that far from being able to do it or they could even do it right now yeah it, it could even be the case that for over a year someone and multiple people have cracked this they just there's a clear incentive to not <laughs> talk about it now this is what's really interesting to what someone is talking about here if you crack bitcoin with a supercomputer you actually have a huge economic incentive to not let anyone know that you've cracked a Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, everything you take from it has no value. And you would take stuff at, at small levels. You'd likely do mm -hmm. a Superman thing, like a tax on everyone who has Bitcoin. Right. Now, what's interesting about these quantum computers is at least my understanding of existing technology is you really can't have that many at a time. And they can really only be operated by large state or corporate institutions. What do you mean you can't have that many at a time? I just mean they're incredibly expensive to build. I predict that within 100 years, computers will be twice as powerful, 10,000 times larger, and so expensive that only the five richest kings of Europe will own them. Oh, as in like very few people would be able to afford. Well, no, so I've heard some people be like, well, I found this method that would enable me to do it without tons of money. So, I mean, it's plausible that someone has developed a method that's actually affordable, less plausible than the people who are brute forcing it with money, of course. Mm -hmm. But still. So that's what I worry about with Bitcoin is, is, is does increasing technology make it less relevant? And I think that is a really real and very big fear. But, right, I think but doesn't I guess. Yeah, I guess there's less risk with the U.S. dollar because there are so many different processes well, at play. Here's the other thing. People would say, well, what if governments ban it? Right. Like oh. that could hurt its value and that can hurt its value in the moment. But over the long term. Look, let me put it this way. How much, how many Chinese people do you think own Bitcoin? And how many times do you think China has banned Bitcoin? Mm. Right? Like a, a lot, a lot and a lot. So yeah, if anything, in increasing and frequent bans just make it like prove its use case more to individuals. Hearing a government ban something once is scary for its long-term potential. Hearing that a government had to ban something like five different times is very promising to that thing's long-term potential because it indicates that the government clearly is having trouble actually banning its use. And therefore, you know an asset does not require government approval to continue to be of utility. And also, any negatives from the bans are already baked into the price of the asset. Hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, and I'll be clear... Though, like, the big thing for us was doing a lot of work with Venezuelans and doing a lot of work in Latin America and just seeing it actually in everyday use. Because for us, we were first exposed to crypto in, like, 2012. And it was always in this really, like, abstract, kind of difficult-to-use environment. So I was just like, well, this is always going to be relegated to, like, super techie people who are really into it from a theoretical standpoint. And then when I saw super non-tech savvy people <laughs> using and exchanging crypto, I realized, oh, wow. Okay, so even people who are not into tech, who don't even own a PC or like, a, you know, like anything, a lap, like anything larger than a smartphone are using this. Okay, I'm yeah, interested. But, and let's talk about gold for a second, right? So mm -hmm. people can be like, yeah, well, the government can't like, it can ban your ability to hold bitcoin but it can't ban your ability to hold gold and it's like literally the u.s government has done that before the, when did the 1930 US government do this? 
five a gold reserve act banned the ability to personally hold gold with the exception of jewelry and collector's coins so this has happened before right like oh no any asset that threatens a weak currency is going to be subject to potential bans. The question is how easy is it for the government to search your house for that asset? Hmm. Gold, fairly fucking easy, especially with current technology. Bitcoin, yeah. basically fucking impossible. So that well, is- really You just made the point that it's like easy to trace. So that's a problem. What you'd say is oh, it, it, the boat. That's what everyone says. The boat? I, I lost it in a boating accident. Um, I had all my lost keys, my keys in the boat, and then the boat sunk, and I don't or, have them. you know. Or you were one of those people who tried to memorize your keys and you forgot them, or you know, there, there, and, 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 and there's so us. many famous cases though, like already of people who bought Bitcoin, you know, and it was like this really theoretical thing, and they completely forgot about it because they thought it was worth absolutely nothing. And then, you know, especially when Bitcoin was at its height, like around the pandemic, they're they like, you know, are digging through old like computer wreckage to try to find where like yeah. maybe they so saved just because their... you can prove that Bitcoin went to a wallet that you at one point had control over doesn't yeah. mean people can prove you have it right now. Exactly. Which is important. So people can know when you spend Bitcoin on something. So if mm -hmm. I'm spending Bitcoin on something illicit, people can easily prove that. People cannot easily prove that I currently have Bitcoin, which is important to note. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing to note about gold as an asset, and this has always been very confusing to me about gold, it requires a very specific and narrow level of social collapse to be of utility as an asset. Mm. Let me explain what I mean by this. So for gold to be the, the single like recurring reserve of asset, I would need most global economies to break down. Right. So like the United States, everything like that, like the, the Europe, et cetera, I would need the Internet to break down because, you know, Bitcoin would need to not be a better asset. But I would need people to broadly understand the value of like a scarce tradable metal and be able to test it. That is that requires like a level of social cohesion which is just very unlikely in these other meltdown scenarios. Well, so what um, do you say to the people who are like, and that's why I just buy guns and ammo. I think that is a very valuable thing to invest in. <laughs> I think guns and ammo. So pretty much if society falls below a certain level of technology or a certain mm -hmm. level of social cohesion, guns and ammo become the core store of value. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very obviously. And that being the case, I can understand the huge swath of levels of which society could collapse below, let's say, like 10% societal stability. Below 10% societal stability, guns and ammo are the core source of value, right? Gold becomes the core store of value between like 10% and 15% societal stability. It's a very okay. narrow range. Right. Um, that's the, 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 where you still have global networks of trade, but the internet is down. Okay. Between I'd say like 15 and like 60% societal stability. So these are scenarios in which people don't really trust most governments, but the internet is up. Global trade is kind of operational, but with private piracy, those are the scenarios in which Bitcoin is the core asset of value. 
So it's just like a much wider range and much more likely range in terms of when I look at real outcomes for the world that I think we're going to fall into. You know, as I say, I think the world's heading to where South Africa is today in terms of stability. So rolling blackouts don't mean the internet has no value or Bitcoin has no value, right? It's the same with, you know, unsafe streets, unsafe care, you know, moving assets. All of that stuff only increases the value of Bitcoin, right? Even frequent blackouts doesn't make the internet go away as like, Thing, right i think things need to get pretty fucked for the internet to go away but that's, my that's actually a, a, a scary thought I, I i don't know how much there is protecting the internet the way it works now well i mean we've had some friends the other thing that I've, i know people have stored as an asset in case of collapse is wikipedia yeah and they i respect that it. And then they have other hard drives they can put it on and and, and yeah. trade it for. And they um, have it in their Faraday cages, obviously, because that's very necessary. Yeah. So they they put. By the way, they took they took Wikipedia from before the before times before it became all biased and everything, which now yeah. is wildly biased. But yeah. yeah, isn't that fun? Yeah. So I mean, there there's there are scenarios in which it matters. I don't I don't think people should like I've said before, buy any sort of crypto, not being ready to lose all of it. And for multiple reasons, like the value can go to nothing, you could lose your keys, but also like never, never consider buying a currency if you don't have a cold wallet that you plan to move it to. Like leaving it on an exchange, I agree, mm -hmm. is not a good idea. So <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah. And there's also weird things you can do with all this that split up portions of your key and make it so that even you can't easily access it, which is the way that we handle everything, which is weird to a lot of people, but I think it makes us marginally safer. Yeah, I, I'm sure people have much more sophisticated ways of going about this, but we're just talking about like basic functionality here and why it gives us hope. And I think a lot of why we like it is ideological because we have this sort of libertarian view that people should have. I disagree. I don't uh, fucking, I think Bitcoin has value because the number of tyrants in the world is going to increase. Uh, I think the, the core bet I'm making with Bitcoin is tyrants go up. Government <laughs> stability goes down. So yeah, it's a, it's a very real risk. You're, you're not, you're not at all wrong, as depressing as that may be. So it's, you know, it's a good hedge. But again, I think you should be ready to lose all of it because, you know, the world is unpredictable and it's a weird asset. And well, I understand you're saying, oh, yeah, we are not investment advisors, blah, blah, blah. We're just talking about something from like a conceptual standpoint. Yeah. And and you're saying, yeah, don't invest anything. This is true with any investment class. Don't invest anything you're not prepared to lose. But I mean, I broadly think that most metal assets that were traditional value stores, gold, silver, et cetera, they're just going to decrease over time, long term. Yeah, I definitely have a lot less confidence in precious metals that are not like strategically undervalued now. Like we're talking about stuff that's used in batteries that are going to be ramping up in, in production, for example, right? Like that's different, but just like yeah. pre traditionally precious metals. Is they're used as a proxy for wealth in a historic context because they're just like super unusable as wealth stores and, and, and wealth movers. And if you look historically, you can say, well, then why were they so useful in the old West? Because we were fucking mining it back then. Like, like in, in, 
in in the gold rushes and stuff like that you know it was it was in people's evoked set of wealth right and it had corollaries in the historic context right like there was no competitor to it gold hasn't had a great competitor in a very very long time now it has one and it's just one that is almost comically better than it like it is it is joke levels better than gold gold or bullets but but again you know bullets i'm not saying bullets don't matter bullets matter you want to store wealth i'm just saying if you want to sort for the the vast majority of societal collapse scenarios it's it's crypto and bullets it's not other shit now now there's other stuff you can do phosphates uh, advanced semiconductors there's some other things that might be worth storing value in just not precious metals well i also think that when you get to weird stuff like that even bullets the risk of counterfeiting if you're not really careful is higher right so then that's just one other thing to consider yeah well here's something i'd ask if, you, if you're wondering why i think gold has such low value imagine society has collapsed somebody comes to you with a fucking car full of gold and they want to trade it for your guns or your food or your semiconductors or your whatever are you actually going to take that as trade? Do you <laughs> actually think question. that there's somebody else out there who's going to take that in exchange for shit that you need? Hmm. Or are you going to say, hey, I noticed you have a gun in your car. Can you give me that? I noticed you have a hoe in your car. Can you give me that? I noticed you have a shovel in your car. Can you give me that? I noticed you have some horses or some chickens. Can you give me that? Fucking of course. Like common sense, man. I don't know. Well, that's your opinion, and that's my opinion. And I'm sure we're going to get a lot of other opinions in the comments, but fun to talk about it, yeah. Yeah, we also have no idea how much gold there is in the world. And that's another thing that's important to know. Like, we know how much Bitcoin there is in the world. We have no fucking clue how much gold there is. Well, and, and how, I mean... No, what I mean is we don't know if there's gold in Fort Knox. Oh, I see. Right, if it's actually there. We don't know if there's gold in a lot of the banks. Some of them are audited, some of them are not. Mm -hmm. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, not not you didn't even mean in the earth. You just meant that that people say they have. Yeah, like that's that's a weird thing about that asset class that we just don't know. Yes. Now, realistically, if it turns out that like a bunch of gold that we thought existed in the world doesn't exist, it would increase the value of all other gold. That's true. But you're not going to find that out. And the fact that people can lie about this so easily devalues gold over time as institutions are more and more willing to lie to the public, which I think is the world that we're entering. Yeah. 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 So in general, low trust world, potentially dangerous world, corrupt world, Bitcoin plus crypto equals promising. Yeah. I love you, Simone. I love you too, gorgeous.